Welcome back to Making the Metaverse with me, Michael Carter. Making the Metaverse is presented by OnTheBlockchain.ca, Canada's fastest growing blockchain community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Making the Metaverse with me, Michael, and my amazing guest, Corey who uh, I've known for what seems like probably at least one lifetime in Web3, uh, maybe more. Time has a really weird way of behaving in this space. Um, Corey's an experienced entrepreneur and creative problem solver with a wealth of experience that he's uh, been able to help him build a vast technical, managerial, and creative skill set. So he's, he's quite broad in his skill set. Um, he spent a lot of time focused on digital media and emerging technologies. Um, he's helped some big brands move into new digital spaces. Currently, he's the VP Web3 and Industry 4 at Dap House and founder and CEO of Parcel Party, which just sounds like an amazing thing. He's uh, also based in my hometown, that wonderful place known as the Big Smoke, the Six, the T-Dot, T-O. Uh, welcome, Corey. Would you please share with our listeners the proper pronunciation of that fabulous city that I grew up in? Piranha. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Piranha, right? <laughs> There's no T's in it. There's no T's, but you know, <laughs> I've been gone for a long time, and so I, I think my pronunciation is slipping a little bit. <laughs> you know, and our acronyms may be outdated, I think. Yeah, but potentially. T dot yeah. when I was younger. So T dot, yeah. Didn't even exist. Yes. The six <laughs> came much later. Yeah, the big smoke. I think I remember that from from a while ago. We yeah. stole it from New York for sure. for sure. Yeah, that's that was my first inkling. I actually like Googled it before we got online just to make sure like it wasn't like some other city. Because um, the interesting thing about Toronto is that uh, it 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 feels like a really important city. Uh, until you go to other really important cities and then you realize it's it's not as important. It's grown up a lot though. Like gotta give it credit. Like it's 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 really grown up a lot in the last uh, I don't know, five or ten years. I think we surpassed Chicago, right? Are we like the third biggest city now or something? Wow, now? really? That's impressive. Bigger, yeah. And there's um there's a thriving creative industry there and a and a thriving tech industry there as well, which is the kind of the intersection that you hang out at. Yeah. Yeah. One of the main intersections. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always kind of been a creative, um, you know, I started in post-production working for um, Deluxe and Technicolor, doing some consulting over there and um, <clears throat> building corporate and commercial content and music videos and all sorts of fun stuff in the video sphere. And, when the DSLR cameras came out and the SD card revolution started, <laughs> I, I kind of uh, jumped ship. I mean, it was a race to the bottom with wages. And yeah, it was very clear to me working there at the time, actually, that um, the reason why they weren't being competitive or, or it was a sunset industry was because of technology, that they didn't have the right technology in, in mm. you know 2018. They're still sending drives to movie theaters, for mm -hmm. instance, right? which yeah. is, is crazy. Yeah. So the whole industry kind of needed an overhaul, even mm -hmm. after OTT services and stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah, and I serendipitously ran into a buddy uh, who was leveraging game engines to build um, 
XR training applications for mm -hmm. heavy industry. And I was just very intrigued. I mean, I've been a kind of a lifelong gamer and um, I was just really excited by the potential of that technology to actually make real world impact. So, mm. um, and that's kind of the intersection where I've been <clears throat> for the last uh, four or five years, yeah, focused on on that type of work. What was your uh, first gaming platform? Do you want to date yourself or yeah. everyone? <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm I'm an Atari. I'm an '80s baby. Like yeah. Baby. So yeah, it's, sweet. Um, I've been around since the beginning of all of it. The Master System and Atari and you know original Nintendo. Original Nintendo. That was like the universe changed at that time. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers and 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 Nintendo was a yeah, it was a definite game changer. My uh my dad uh he he was ready for the Wii from the get-go because uh he was one of those people that would move the controller around in space to try and make Mario jump further, you know. <laughs> he said like dive across the couch trying to get the flagpole. <laughs> he was ready for uh for AR VR back in the day. So you um you you would you say that you went to film school? Is that what you would say about your education? I did go to film school. I went yeah. to Ryerson for independent filmmaking. Yeah. Um, after my BA at um uh at Glendon, York University. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think my formal education really comes into play. Most most of what I learned was just through the, the school of hard knocks, brass yeah. tacks, getting yeah. stuff done. You know, I think yes. Yeah on the site experiences but how i yeah. got most of my skill sets you know so is that um like is is this idea of the filmmaker is that like a is that something like that resonates with you that you identify with at all these days i mean not as much i still actually yeah. you know i wear a lot of hats and we're not a huge group so i do get to stretch my you know my post-production legs and and mm -hmm. uh, cobble together marketing videos and content and help some of our clients go to market with their new products and stuff like that. So I do from time to time still get to stretch those legs. And I think even our applications are, we tell stories. We, at least we try yeah. to tell stories through a lot of what we're doing because it's, there's much deeper immersion in, in the applications, if you can build in a storyline or mm -hmm. a human element. So yeah, I think some of those skills do cross over and, and then translate. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So you you ran Rising Rock Productions, and you oh, had a wow. good long run. <laughs> you did a good deep dive. <laughs> wow, that's um, yeah. I mean, I've I've been a lot lifelong entrepreneur. I mean, I've consulted for a lot of companies and and been at some some bigger corps, but for the most part, um, you know, I like working with small teams. So okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always been a small team kind of guy. So yeah. And what did uh, what would you say are the some of the main takeaways from that time? I mean that because after that you have that giant block, and then you kind of splinter and fragment, and time gets a little bit shorter. Like your involvement with other teams gets a little bit tinier. So, but that stands out as like this really long run that you had. So what um, what did you take away from that? I mean, honestly, I think it's mo most of the the basic business acumen and knowledge, yeah. you know, I think that okay. was probably, you know, I, I like to look at all my ex experiences just being foundational. And I think I'm finally at a point in my career, luckily, where all of those skill sets are coming together um, mm. um, and helping with my current role. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I would say it's mostly the the business, you know, getting agreements done, uh, hmm. sales and business development, uh, how to market appropriately, hmm. uh, how to manage staff, how to like. There's a million lessons hmm. that I learned throughout that time, and um, how to work with bigger companies and organizations as well too. I mean, at one point we were doing a lot of music videos for Atlantic Records recording artists and. Hmm. Um, you know, learning to 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 negotiate and and, and barter with the labels and stuff like that. A lot mm. of that, all of that, I think, was helpful and useful in my mm. journey. Um, and you might not see the splintering there because there's lots of joint ventures. And, <laughs> and I moved from this studio to that studio. Some things that are not on the list. <laughs> right. It was kind of consolidated into this was all Rising Rock, but there was lots yeah. of partnerships and JVs and mm. these okay. studio partners here and partners there. So. Yeah, it was all under the Rising Rock moniker. I just didn't see it valuable to break that out. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 So that must have. Um, so did that. So did that make you, kind of, did that mean that you brought something kind of unique to the to the XR space when you entered? Because you were early, from what I can tell, like pretty early. Like before, yeah, we, I mean, there wasn't, how much industry was there when you joined the industry? Yeah, so I guess we we kind of caught, we kind of came in in early 2021 and part of this this hype cycle of the metaverse and, and crypto. Um, and I, I guess I started exploring the metaverse as a, as a way to deploy the applications we were making are serving up locally, um, serve them up through a web browser, right? So I looked at these platforms as a really novel way to just uh, bolster the access to, to applications we were already making. So um, I started kind of digging into that in 2021. And um, sorry, I lost the thread there, but <laughs> no, 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 that's that's fine because I it looked it looked to me like you were doing so you were doing XR you were doing right, before that. Yes, yeah. So we've been. Like Dapp House proper has been around for about 15, 16 years now. So mm -hmm. we were very, very first movers, uh, very early movers on leveraging game technology for real mm -hmm. world cases, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, before there was any talk of industrial metaverse or or, or any of this yeah. stuff, yeah. many, many years before that, we were yeah. leveraging game engines. So, I mean, some of... Some of these words are hype cycle, buzz, yes, sure, yeah. words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we really have been doing the same flavor of technology for 15, 16 years, right? It's right, you know, yeah. you're unreal. Yeah. And we're deploying that either locally or now online. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's, yeah, absolutely. I saw your post the other day about, you know, XR tech being like from the 1800s originally. Like, you know, if you, if you look back, you can kind of see the, I mean, obviously, you know, maybe that's a bit of a, an imaginative stretch in terms of <laughs> tech, right? But um, certainly, yeah, it's it's not like the metaverse just kind of appeared uh, as a sort of new tech unto itself. Like it, it's it's building on earlier tech. Yeah. Yeah, flight aviation has had, um, yeah. you know, XR technology since this, the, the 70s, you know, yeah. like 60s, 70s. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's probably the use case most people go back to looking at. But mm -hmm. aviation, we've been trading pilots or XR for a very, very long time. Yeah. You know? Why Why do you think that is? Why Why are they sort of like the early adopters? 
Is it like expensive to crash a plane? Is that it? <laughs> I think it's expensive to build the training tools, especially back then. You know, as a kid, I was lucky enough to actually go into one of those big flight simulators. You know, it's like a giant oh. room. Oh, yeah. The whole room moves. Wow. A metal gate to get across Man. it. It's a real replica of a, of a cockpit. And like these things are multi, multi, multi million yeah. dollars. You know, yeah. maybe tens of millions, you know, yeah. some of these machines. So I think it's the, the barrier to entry is different. Um, yeah. You know, just just like in video production, when I got pushed out by SD cards, I think it's a similar type of revolution mm. where the, the the software has made all of this a lot more access, like easier to access, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's hard to go home and play 8-bit after that, I guess. <laughs> 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 not the same experience <laughs> yeah so you um so you start this thing called Par parcel party like uh, is that a play on decentraland parcels land is that is that where that comes from yeah it was yeah, uh, yeah so one unit of land in, in decentraland is referred to as a parcel and yeah and yeah, we were throwing parties. So yeah, I, I really like the alliteration of it. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So parcel party was born, but I, I really was using it as a way to explore these new platforms. And um, you know, I learned through doing as I had said already. Um, so parcel party was just my exploration into these metaverse platforms or novel mm. virtual world platforms that exist on blockchain. Yeah. And and that business kind of just grew its own legs because I was part of the hype cycle. Yeah. You know, smaller companies and startups had access to big enterprise and Fortune 500s and, and mm -hmm. people were trying to activate like crazy in the space and get their yeah. their five minute PR story. Hey, we did it. Yeah. So I was just the right place at the right time. And um eventually we've kind of more like merged with Dap House, a lot of the staff that I found through the decentralized web. Mm. Um, actually ended up working at Dap House, um, including our our lead developer and modeler, um, Ben Wallace. Uh, actually met him through Parcel Party in Decentraland, and he had asked for uh, one of our wearables during a party in the very early days. And mm -hmm. uh, that spawned a whole relationship where he ended up doing dev work with us. He now lives in Toronto. He's immigrated to Canada. Wow. And he works full time for Dap House, him and his wife. So Fantastic. Um, you know, the power of the decentralized web to bring people together. <laughs> yeah. And to create that, uh, that mobility, you know, because, uh, well, not, not everyone has the mobility that, that, that we don't all enjoy the same amount of mobility in the world, depending on where you're born. Right. Or opportunity. And or I think opportunity, it was a matter yeah. of that too, right? Like a lot of people look to the, I hate to call it the third world or, you know, not the first world um, for offshoring work and mm -hmm. getting reduced rates. Whereas I looked at mm. this more as like, you know, if you have the skill set, you have the skill set. You're yeah. going to pay North American wages. We're mm -hmm. going to give you the same opportunity as any developer. I just happened to meet you and we collected mm -hmm. this work. So I'm yeah. not going to take advantage of your geography. We'll, yeah. we'll pay you full Canadian rates. You know, we'll just yeah. bill accordingly to the clients. And um I think the decentralized web is opening up opportunity for people in other geographies as a result, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the yeah, fact been, that you can be the right client also helps a lot. <laughs> so, the right client. Yeah. 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 That's something that, um, I've been really excited by, you know, when I, uh, 
I jumped into the NFT space and uh, I started meeting, you know, it's so interesting. Like I met everyone through Instagram actually, you know, so this sort of, uh, sort of non-geographical space and then seeing the distribution of where everybody comes from. It was, it was really wild. And what the economic gap was an interesting thing to look at, you know, how much someone would, would ask for their work and how it related to their geography. And then like how much money meant to different people in different geographies. Like if I buy a $10 NFT from someone in one part of the world, it's a very different impact in their life than if I buy a $50 NFT from someone in another part of the world. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's, I think it's great. It's a, there's a great opportunity there for people to not be, uh, like you said, limited by their geography or, or their postal code, you know, you're born here and therefore, you know, your prospects are confined, like extremely confined to, uh, you know, your immediate geography. And I love hearing stories exactly like the one that you told. And, and I've heard multiple stories of that where, People are using the the decentralization uh, to to gain mobility and to um, achieve a standard of living that probably is impossible um, without this uh, opportunity. Yeah, and those who stay in their native geography, if they can make the you know North American wages, I mean, right? You, yeah. Even even staying there, yeah. you know, even staying wherever you're from, yeah, your buying power is is exponential so yes yes so the um the parcel party thing is interesting to me because uh you know you said something like brands just wanted to get there right it's kind of like and and for me like you know in, in some cases kind of like going to the moon right it's like in the beginning it's like you don't actually have to do too much there. You just gotta like get there and take your selfie. And it's like mission <laughs> accomplished, around. right? <laughs> Plant the flag. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and and so like, you know, in the early days, it was kind of like, well, you know, okay, now we're here. What do we do? Well, let's party. And then that 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 was kind of like, well, that's it right now. Like that's that's kind of the the thing that we're doing here. But there's so much more um potential obviously that's been that's been fleshed out um there's so much more that we can that we can do in these these spaces um that you are playing a big role in developing um you know these other uh things like training for example like training opportunities um what's it like what's it what's it what's it like what are those two sort of how do those two projects kind of differ from each other you know you have one client that is like, we need, we, we want to get branding. We want to get exposure. We want to like, you know, get the party. And then, uh, you know, these other clients that are like, well, we need to, you know, have this, uh, sort of like more sort of logical planned out sort of purposeful space, uh, is, is one of them more interesting, exciting, challenging than the other? Is it all kind of the same? I mean, I, I really enjoy the branded activation yeah. of the parties, obviously. Yeah. I mean, this member <laughs> side is fantastic. And it, it's, um, but I don't think in terms of, 
like in terms of the projects, they differ all that greatly. Mm. I mean, like I said, it's a similar tech stack yeah. and it's just, what's the purpose for it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like what we've been uniquely strong at is understanding what those dare I say KPIs are up front for, right. for whatever the experience may be. It's all yeah. 3D web driven experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the purpose? What's the yeah. outcome you're hoping for, you know? And I think we're really good at driving towards that. I mean, for the industrial side, we even have um, ex-teachers and cur curriculum experts on our on our staff who helped to mm -hmm. take analog curriculum, like training curriculum, mm -hmm. and make it fit for purpose for the digital space. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't translate necessarily one-to-one -one all the time. Or how do I take this curriculum mm -hmm. and get the learning, the outcome that I'm looking for in a digital space? So, yeah, you know, they, they differ pretty wildly in terms of the the output and how they visually look but i think in terms of how they're structured it's not all that different right if if it's a marketing activation or branded activation and something we've been really good at steering our clients to understand is yes roi is one metric but it's not the only metric right you know? um, yeah. for instance in our work with absolute we trended on twitter every time we activate it we mm -hmm. we develop mechanisms so that there was a lot of room for UGC user generated content, mm -hmm. yep. right. And, and reposting. And um, so it bolstered the campaigns they had already had going. Um, you know, we gave away all the wearables. We didn't, we didn't try and get, get ROI on those. wearables. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I think there's more than one reason to show up in a space. I do think that 3d experiences will be part of most people's website or they will be in some third-party platform at some point mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the inevitability of the next wave of the internet web technology mm -hmm. so i think we'll see more investments from you know heavy industry brands everybody mm -hmm. will have some sort of even drake i don't know if you saw drake's website had a oh really a fun overhaul recently where it shows you his whole house and you can oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah i saw that you know what i mean people are just yeah. looking for a little bit more they yeah. want something a little more than flat text and video they yeah you know gaming technology is fairly ubiquitous now regardless mm -hmm. of your age so yeah it's uh yeah yeah 100 percent um i uh the uh the user generated content piece is interesting because one of the um sort of you know challenges or bottlenecks i guess is that i've seen is uh you know you get the brands into the space right but then you've also got to get people into the space which isn't always that easy and i i'm sure that you saw the sort of you know the the mud slinging that was going on around you know decentraland has only five people visiting the day or people <laughs> the number, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there's only 38 humans here <laughs> The metaverse is dead. <laughs> well, this that, is why I that, caution people. Forget uh, platforms. Start building yeah. your own audience. Start building your yeah. own community around your own brand. You know, mm -hmm. and, and third-party platforms are okay, and that's why the brands were showing up there is because there were eyeballs at yeah. the time, right? Yeah. Now, now not so much. But I think people need to look at this more as a long-term play. How do we yeah. build towards an end state that we're we're happy with? And I, mm -hmm. you know, develop your own IP, own it. Build it yeah. through, as an extension of your own website. There's no mm -hmm. reason why if you're spending the cash as a brand that you you need to leverage a third-party platform. Mm. Um, you know, now the, the hype is back to more traditional video games, Fortnite, Roblox, mm -hmm. 
Minecraft, like people are speaking about those as quote unquote metaverses. So, right. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just, the brands are going where the eyeballs are. And, and I think the paradigm shift is develop your own eyeballs, guys. You know, mm. like let's, let's build some powerful, captivating IP that people actually mm. want to engage with. Back it up with some digital and physical rewards, you know, mm. that exist on chain, loyalty yeah. and reward system. Do you, yeah. you know, there's, there's, this is the modern day e-commerce. This is yeah, the, yeah. the new wave of e-commerce for sure. Yeah. I mean, ultimately like the users, ultimately they don't care about the tech per se, right? Like. They're not like motivated, like, oh, it's on the blockchain. I'm going to go check it out. Like, <laughs> or it's in Decentraland or it's in Sandbox right, or like, in Mona yeah. or Hyperfight. It's not, yeah. the, it's not the pull, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are good points. Yeah. What's the value your experience can deliver to the audience? If it's not any good, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what platform it's in, right? So it could yeah. be best. You could have 100 million active users if your experience wasn't done correctly doesn't understand the ethos of the space. Every platform has their own different vibe and culture to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not enough to just show up. I mean, it's, there's work to be done. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. brands are realizing that now that's, you know, some are diving deeper and some are just out, but um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's that um, immersive is not enough. You've got to also be engaged. You've got to have engagement, right? So I, I can I can put on a headset and go to go to a, a an immersive space, let's say, right? I can have an immersive experience, but uh, if I'm just standing in a room, yeah. what am I doing there? You know, yeah, gamification, and that's where the gamification mm. piece comes in. Right? Yes, that's, yeah, that's that's why we built that into all of our experiences. I thought last yeah. time we activation, we had a giant NPC on stage, and we had developed a kind of a Simon Says dance battle game. So mm -hmm. the, the giant NPC would do one of the emotes and you would yeah. have to match it in a certain amount of time to get points. And nice. uh, it was a rolling total score for the whole day. And we wow. had three days of activation for 10 hours a day. And the average playtime, you know, granted there was only a few hundred users a day, mm. but the, the average playtime was five hours. Wow. <laughs> Right. And for a simple mechanic of like, Jeez. you know, hit the right button at the right time, you know. Wow. And people are socializing. It's something to do. We had the leaderboards updating live in the space. So you right. can see, yeah. oh, I got to get past the next guy. And, you know, yeah. and, and those kinds of simple, addictive gameplay loops and mechanics are, are insanely powerful. You know? And yeah. I think that's, that's a crucial part to most of this stuff including in the learning and industrial space gamification is what keeps people hooked and engaged and um yeah i think i think it's not like you said it's not enough to just have an immersive space what am i doing when i get there you know? mm -hmm. yeah what do you how much of a role do you think that plays in the in in monetization ultimately and revenue streams and is, is that is that going to help yeah engaged users convert you know, yeah. I mean, we all know that engaged users yeah. can. So, um, you know, if I, if I can keep somebody like, can you keep somebody at your website for five hours? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we also had digital CTAs and on click functions on various props in the environment that yeah. puts back to web two properties, high value web two properties. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we also run, um, you know, IRL rewards. So it'd be like mm -hmm. a link to here, you know, if you're here, you can go to this link and enter to win a 
you know, I think even one year we did a trip to Coachella, the whole second weekend to, wow. trip to Coachella. So a user actually went to three wow. days of Coachella this year from the, the 2022 activation, right? So, um, you know, we incentivize people who get the highest score on the game with the legendary wearables or the highest, mm-hmm. you know, the rarest uh, category of wearables. So it becomes about also that cloud of like, I was on the top of the leaderboards. Look, I have the wearable to show for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think gamification is a, a crucial component. And in the industrial space, we have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm under NDA, so I can't, let's say, uh, a bottling company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, an international bottling company. And they have many, many plants. And when we deployed the uh, training, the XR training stuff there and gamified it, the plants actually compete against each other to see who's completed it like who has the most compliance who's gotten all their staff through it who's got the highest score on the the game the most correct responses so it doesn't just pertain to marketing it's like there's learning and learning outcomes and real real world value that can come from game i'm really interested in that because uh as an educator myself you know for in in a more traditional sense that sort of gamification that engagement piece um and then also from a from a organizational or institutional perspective, um, there was a, a moment in my life. Uh, I'll just say it was some time ago, and uh, I was a new hire, and there was all of these videos that I had to watch, and all of you know, there's all this like endless material. Just as a new employee, it's not even like you know relevant job training. It's just the HR you know treasure chest that gets dropped in your head. And um, as I'm sure you're aware, like in, in the beginning, the, the videos, you could just skip them. Like there was ways to work around them. And, and, and now like they're getting better at like thwarting that. So it's like, no, no, you can't skip ahead. You didn't spend enough time on this page. Like there's all these control mechanisms to sort of like, you know, force you to, to do these, to, these um, training things. Um, but this is such a wonderful alternative. Like if you can, make it fun fun. and engaging and rewarding like your adherence you know adherence is is fine i guess but is that really what you want ultimately are you just looking for adherence or are you looking for adoption are you looking for people to like internalize this material and actually you know change their behaviors at work yeah no, it, an engaged user is uh, will retain information a lot mm-hmm. better than somebody who's whose eyes are glossing over and they're just right. clicking through sure learning stuff. Right? Yeah, so, I'm, I'm playing the video, but yeah. you know it's on mute, and I'm <laughs> checking email or something. And when it gets to the end, I click the button and I just gamify the quiz or something like that. You know, sort of you know do whatever I can to to work around. Not that I would do that, of course. I absolutely. <laughs> follow all HR policies for all employment opportunities ever. (laughs) But this is, I think you're right. Like by, you know, uh, building 3D environments, we actually have been able to assess, not just train people, but assess people in 3D, Mm. right? And Mm -hmm. recertify people for complex engineering processes in 3D environments, right? Um, Tell me, tell, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, the whole thing is that there's a backend database and tra- and traceability and trackability of what what the user is doing, right? Yeah. So, the, 
a lot of these orgs who have big compliance and regulatory stuff, we can actually show you, you know, he, this was his training session. We recorded the whole thing. First of mm -hmm. all, so you have the voice of the trainer and, yeah. the, and the trainee and they're doing it remotely, right? Yeah. They're just VoIP, right? Yeah. And they're in the, they're in the 3d environment and they're assessing each other. Like the trainer can look and see, um, we have a laser pointer kind of function. So you can actually see very specifically where the user is looking at. If they click on mm. something and it'll show mm -hmm. you down almost to the millimeter, what, mm -hmm. what piece of the equipment they're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's really about the backend metrics, right? It's, um, you know, we can see which lever he threw at what mm -hmm. moment, where he would identify exactly where points of failure are. Um, mm -hmm. If there's consistent points of failure, maybe it's a problem with our training process. Maybe we need to augment mm -hmm. the curriculum. So there's mm -hmm. all sorts of great insights to glean from, from the data. Uh, and the other nice thing is the standardization of training, right? Mm -hmm. You can standardize the training process through, through these applications and also retain, um, some of that institutional knowledge of like senior trainers who are retiring, for instance, which seems to be a huge mm. thing in these companies. The younger yeah. gen generation hasn't absorbed as much as as the the previous generations. Where like our affinity for manual labor isn't there, and our affinity yeah. for blue collar jobs isn't what in trades isn't what it used to be. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of these companies are worried that the institutional knowledge is is walking out the door when these mm. guys, are, you know, so, yeah. So baking that into the to the software and capturing all of that and all those best practices into in, into one piece of training software mm. and standardizing it for the you know the entire um, organization is is very powerful. Mm. Um. So the 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 piece around uh, data collection, you know, flares up here and there over the years. And people get in really concerned about collecting data, about surveilling different people for different reasons. Um, I have a, I, I have a long background in surveillance research and critical surveillance studies. So I spent a long time, you know, running around and pointing out all the reasons why it's dystopian and all of the, you know, problems that arise, problematizing basically, you know, surveillance studies. And, um, after several years, I, I remember sitting down and thinking, you know, I've only ever looked at this from this one perspective that, you know, collecting data is evil and, 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 uh, the people whose data is collected never win, never benefit. And I thought that it's so one-sided it's so, you know, it's like, it's not at all, uh, uh, a robust approach to, to studying this, this practice. And, and I started thinking about, you know, cases where I, I was grateful for surveillance systems to be there, where I was grateful for, for example, you know, my, my, my grandmother who was staying in the home, that there were surveillance systems in place, monitoring her health, her wellness, they monitoring her movements. No, you know, uh, education is one big giant surveillance system. You know, it's, it's collecting of data of, of, of uh, students and monitoring their progress and then and then using the data to modify behaviors and offer feedback and so on and so forth um so so what are your thoughts on that on that giant conversation especially as you know it's getting flared up with a as ai enters the chat room <laughs> um you know where where do you land yeah i mean i think privacy will 
continue. I mean, we willingly give up a lot of privacy for a lot of convenience. And I think, yeah, the world is changing and wising up to that over the past few years. It's been, you know, five, three to five years or so people have started to wise up to some of these practices. Yeah. Blockchain, I think, promises to address some of this, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not... Um, a Bible thumping uh, crypto or blockchain <laughs> really does necessarily does actually address this issue. And um, it, it, like, let's use the example of the metaverse, right? It's an anonymous wallet signing in and inter mm -hmm. interacting. So me as the, on the brand side, I can collect the data of what the wallet's doing, what's in mm -hmm. the wallet, what things did they actually purchase? What things did they click on? All of that stuff mm -hmm. is now hidden behind that anonymous layer. As long mm -hmm. as I don't associate the wallet to a person, Right. There is now deeper data for the brand mm. while mm -hmm. protecting the end user. Mm -hmm. So I actually think blockchain addresses this quite nicely. Mm. Um, I'm sure people will be associating people to wallets and, and there's KYC yes, sure, yeah. calls yeah. everywhere and I'm just, whatever. Yeah. I've been yeah. just saying in theory, uh, you know, you can actually see what this person is purchasing and interacted mm -hmm. with, with, at least within the digital sphere. You know, I yeah. can see what's in the wallet. I can see yeah. what resonates with this person. I can create yeah. targeted you know, uh, outreach to this person or create, have an understanding of, my, of what resonates with uh, my audience and, you know, double down on those features within my 3D environment. And, um, and so I, I think that, you know, anonymous wallets really helps to address some of this, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Take, you know, it's all transparent. It's all out there. I'm willingly yeah. engaging with this, you mm -hmm. know, everybody understands that it's an open ledger, right? That's, right. Step one, it's an open ledger. So if I'm yeah. engaging, I'm already aware of that. I've already given away some of that, you know, given some transparency in order to to make this a trustless ecosystem. So, um, yeah, I, again, I think it's, it's you know, it's not Corey Kovnats at whatever address. It's, you right. know, Ox Wallet, whatever, has mm -hmm. these things in it, has been yeah. in our thing five times. Yeah. I, how do I, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So more so I, more data, more insight, and and also potentially more protection. Potentially, I mean, and the other problem is uh, on the flip side of that coin is that it's an open ledger, and right. every transaction yeah. and everything yeah. is out there. So yeah, you know, if you can if you can aggregate that data and for and, and use it for nefarious reasons, mm -hmm. uh, that, yeah. that is a possibility. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. as far as anonymity is concerned, and what brands are collecting. Yeah. Well, now there's nothing identifiable about you. Yeah. Right? It's not yeah. your necessarily your IP address and geography. It's all associated to this digital ID, which is your your Ethereum address or your yeah. Yeah. So uh so AI enters the chat. <laughs> what is AI saying in your world? In training and all of these uh spaces that we're creating and yeah, you know, I mean, I guess the conversation, I, everybody's doing an API extension from JAT right now. So <laughs> There's I, I so many know. memes on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I like, I'm a, I'm a AI founder, and it's like, surprise, I'm just in a call to GPT. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, we've been using stuff like that too, which is great, but I don't think yeah. we're overblading it. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, this isn't general AI. This is, you know, mm -hmm. I don't like I, I this is still very, the models are still very bound, you know, they're still mm -hmm. very stuck in a box and that's fine. Yeah. And I think there's some efficiencies to gain with, yeah. with AI and 
there's novel use cases for it. We're building it into some of our games, you mm-hmm. know, interacting with AI NPCs and things like that. And yeah. um, it's it's really cool. As far as AI is concerned, it's IP is the big thing, I think, moving forward, right? Is mm-hmm. That's the big debate. I guess we're all waiting right. to yeah. see how that shakes out. Yeah. If the data sets that ingest are proprietary, are the outputs then proprietary? I don't mm-hmm. know. You know yeah. I leave that to IP lawyers to... to yeah, yeah. To, I'll say I use it for copywriting and I use it some for, I've used it for mm-hmm. uh, pitch deck image creation, like mid journey sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. But look, it, it'll, it'll help. It's a tool. It's it's yeah. going to help us. I don't think it replaces humans yet. I don't, I don't, mm. uh, we're, we're not there. So I'm, I'm not that concerned. <laughs> is there a, is there a hope that it'll get better and be, it'll play a, a more, because I am thinking about training and development, right? Like that sort of tutoring piece. Yeah. Well, it could. I mean, I think it's the problem right now is the it, the misinformation or how do we verify mm. the information coming is, is yep. correct. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so I think that becomes difficult. Um, yeah. yeah. How many I'm fingers? Sure the models will get better. But. How many fingers am I holding up? If the answer is still six, we're, we're, we're far away, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> make me a hand without six fingers, please. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> um so uh so what one thing i wanted to ask is is i'm running out of time um so you've been through the highs and lows and uh you're still here you're still hanging on um you know there's uh there's a there's an episode are you a suits fan have you seen suits yeah, I did. I watched that whole series. Yeah. My dad's a lawyer. I couldn't help. Okay. <laughs> so there, I won't spoil it for anybody oh. who hasn't seen it yet, but there, there is a scene and maybe you remember it that, uh, the partners show up and the offices are empty and everyone's left. And I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to give away a plot line. Um, but that's how it's felt at times, you know, uh, in the crash of the NFT space, it was just like the air got sucked out and just like, everybody left <laughs> um the metaverse came there was there was mania again and and then you know now the metaverse is dead apparently i don't think it is i know you don't think it is but we see these kinds of waves coming in and out um and you're still hanging on so so why why, why is that why are you still here you know like we were here before these hype cycles yeah. and terminologies and we'll be here long after i think that the the real thing at the end of the day is we're developing products that have some real value. Real value, okay. yeah. And, and yeah. we're starting from that as as the the mo- the modus operandi. Let's let's make sure that this has some value. What are the KPIs? What's the intent of mm-hmm. this software? It's not yeah. just blockchain or metaverse for the sake of blockchain, right. metaverse, NFTs. Yeah. That's that's not the case. Um. So yeah, I mean, I just don't think we're as tied to the ebbs and flows of the mm. crypto and metaverse market. If you look at you know the dot com bubble in the midnight, like it's, we had yeah. this. This is not yeah. this is not new. And what ended up happening? We're still using the internet still. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Investors didn't make yeah, yeah. The trillions of dollars they thought they were going to make, yeah. but hey, the technology prevailed. Who, the technology thought? prevails. Yeah, and Apple's so, entering the chat too. So. Sure, but there I don't like this stuff because I think now now it's going to ah. be spatial computing. Everyone's going to say spatial computing. Yeah, they're trying to change right? the, narr- the the terms. Yeah, right. It's Meta. Yeah. Facebook owns the metaverse as far as yeah. the terms concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg 
Oh, geez. Am I going to get a letter someday making the Metaverse podcast? I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) And everybody who's put meta as a prefix to everything. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see. Uh Yeah, I, I, again, I think gaming and and 3D immersive experiences is really the crux of what we do. That's, that's, has nothing to do with necessarily crypto integrations or Web3 integrations. Yeah. Does the platform exist on chain? If it needs to, it will. If it's right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 It's use case first, right? Yeah. Gamification is sticky. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, uh, I, I, one of the things I like to do is, uh, bring people into the space and, uh, sometimes it's easier. <laughs> sometimes they're running into the space. Sometimes it's quieter. It's a little bit more hard to convince people. You should really get into the space spaces that we've been talking about. Um, so what's your advice for, 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 for anyone out there and particularly, uh, students in colleges and universities, um, is this space just for engineers and programmers? Uh, you know, who who can enter the space, and and what are what are what are some things that they should that they should focus on bringing to the space in, in order to be you know valuable and and uh, and to make a good contribution? Right, bring yourself and your skill sets. I think it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think where a lot of these projects failed is first of all they call themselves projects and not organizations or companies. Yeah. No profitability model. They had no business, mm-hmm. no go-to-market strategy, no core service or product offering. You know, it's here's some digital pictures and please buy them. Uh-huh. You know, so <laughs> I think you know a lot of that's gone away, and people are realizing it's hard work. It's not. Yeah. It's no get-rich-quick scheme here. You know, the mm. people who are still left are not the get-rich-quick people. They're the people who built real yeah. business models and believe yeah. in this piece. So, you know, putting on even an activation in a third party platform like Decentraline involves deep administration and asset tracking and spreadsheeting, business development, project management, mm. intra-agency team meetings, integrated mm. agency team meetings. Um, you know, we need creative direction. We need 2D and 3D asset creation. We need developers. Like, they're, they're, I can go uh-huh. on, right? Yeah. Like, these, these are full-blown business models, if they're yeah. not correct, right? Yeah. yeah. So... I would say don't be intimidated by the space. If you're interested and you have a skill set, look mm-hmm. to join a group that is looking to fill those holes, you know, somebody yeah. who's looking to fill those holes. So after all this time, would you say it was worth it to jump in? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we're still going. I think I'm, yeah. I'm actually very much more comfortable out of the hype cycle. I feel mm-hmm. a lot... Um, a lot better about the space and the, the clients that we have retained and the brands that we have retained yeah. have made a solid commitment, um, you know, regardless of the hype cycle. So that, yeah. that makes us feel a lot better yeah. about things. Yeah. We've given them real return on investment and real value for the dollars they've spent. They're still with us for that reason, not because yeah. of the hype cycle or anything else. So. Yeah. So um, before we uh, hang up, uh, is there anything exciting that you want to plug? Any cool projects you want to mention and or any um collaborations you're open to if anyone's listening out there that uh would like to come and would like to reach out to you well they can always reach out to us we're always looking for for talented people who are looking to get involved um in particular right now we're looking for unreal developers um some C plus plus deep knowledge uh required but uh, okay if you fit the belt feel free to reach out 
We do have a couple of things coming up where you've got the Make It Safe conference in BC coming up on October 13th, I believe. Okay. And a couple of our clients will, well, one of our clients is throwing it and, and we'll have another one attending talking about some of the industrial metaverse work we've done for health and safety and, and training. Fantastic. And uh, I will be speaking at the Met AMS conference in Amsterdam at the end of October with the Decentraland Foundation and Absolute Vodka. And we're going to give a 360 view as to how these branded activations get off the ground from start to finish. And we're going to kind of show the agency side, the brand side, the development studio side. So we're trying to get everybody on stage to give you a full view of how these things kind of come together. Um, so those are those are the two things on my docket coming up. Awesome. Um, it's been another uh, amazing hour of time chatting with you. It's always fantastic. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate so much you setting aside the time to to chat with me today. Um, and uh, I, uh, I just hope that uh, anyone out there that's listening that uh, feels a little bit of spark will reach out to you and uh, make themselves known. How should they do that? Should they reach out on LinkedIn, on email? LinkedIn. I'll put something in the show notes. LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn's the best way to get a hold of me. If you're yeah. curious, you got a project or you want to get involved, you, yeah. LinkedIn's awesome. Fantastic. Well, it's, it's been great chatting with you today, Corey. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, I guess I'll see you again very soon. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Take care. Cheers.